Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me once again this season is becoming quite the regular on this show, and it's a pleasure to have him on, as always, Fraser Douglas. Fraser, how are you, mate? The Swans are doing very, very well at the moment. Swans are going all right. Thanks for having me, Casper. Um, bit of an iffy game against the Crows. Didn't really put them away after a really strong start. So I'm a still, I'm a bit up in the air about the Swans at the moment. It'll be interesting to see how they go against the Giants this weekend. The Giants have recalled quite a few um, of their top line players. So that'll be an interesting game. It's not a bad round of footy um, now that I've kind of dug in and had a bit of a look at it. So I'm, I'm keen to get stuck in and start chatting about it with you, mate. Let's get into it. It, it, it. it is going to be such an exciting round of football to talk about. Let's get started, though. Uh, just a quick kind of little introduction in case this is your first time listening to listener. First off, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoy your stay. Um, basically, three different sections. Section one, we will review the round that's just been. Section two, we'll talk about the major talking points that come out of it. And then section three, we will preview the round to come. Let's start off with section one, Fraser. What were your top two highlights? There were many to choose from. Yeah, there were. Um, pretty simple for me. Two best wins of the of the round just gone. Um, bar maybe the dogs, you could probably throw them in there too. But Geelong and Collingwood's wins for mine. Um, Really impressive. Geelong first, we'll start with um, really clutch win. I thought um, going over there, it's very easy to drop a game. Um, I watched the Swans do it earlier this season and um, Port kind of surged back into it and it looked like it was theirs for the taking, but um, Geelong clearly the form side of the competition at the moment and have to be premiership favourites um, for mine. I don't think that's any sort of a hot take, but um, yeah, really impressed by them and they um, continue to go from strength to strength. Um, Tom Hawkins in the dying moments, kicking those um, kicking those couple of goals was was sensational and um, their forward line continues to function better than anyone else in the league. In terms of Collingwood, um, I don't know how they keep winning. There so many close games, um, just a you know, sensational season. I don't think anyone could have predicted how well they'd go and... Um, it's hard to beat a highlight probably for the year um, than when, you come, when it comes to um, Jamie Elliott's goal after the siren. I still don't know how Langford didn't spoil that. I don't want to bring it up with you, mate. Um, so it's probably a bit tough to hear that. But, um, yeah, that was that was sensational. And, um, yeah, credit to the Pies. They're continuing to go strength from strength. How Langford didn't spoil it, bigger question. How did it take two kicks to go from the defensive <laughs> goal square to the left forward pocket? But that's besides the point. Um for me, ah, number one, it's got to be the quality of football that we had. We had that great game on Friday night football. I mean, Richmond doing Richmond D things. Um, I think Damien Hartwick said it best when he said it's Richmond killing Richmond at the moment, and that's, that's the perfect summation of it. Um, and then we had two pretty one-sided boring contests on Saturday afternoon, and I thought, okay, Maybe this round will be a little bit of a letdown after after that great game. But thankfully, the rest of the weekend was fantastic. I mean, even even a Carlton GWS game uh, that was pretty one-sided for most of it was filled with two contenders for mark of the year. Um, it's going to be pretty difficult to choose between them for which one was the best mark of the round. I reckon Adam Saad and Toby Green um, take your pick. I mean, they're both they're both spectacular. Uh, maybe Saad slightly better because he got he got up quite high. You don't normally see Adam Saad doing that. Um, but for me, it's yeah, just the quality of football, just like the amazing goals that were kicked, the great games, the great comebacks come from behind wins, the, the, the nail biting finishes. It was a fantastic round of football. Um, yeah. So for me, that's number one, number two, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am actually saying for number two, I'm going with Collingwood's win against Essendon. Um, look, not the final 30 seconds, right? Final 30 seconds in the first quarter aside, it was a great game of football. Got to catch up with good friends from Dubai, from Melbourne originally, came over for the first time in quite a few years that they've been here. And it was it was great, you know, Colin was supporting, uh, Colin was supporters. Aside from that, they're great people. Um, no, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. But no, it was great to catch up with them. And it was a great day. You know, we sat in the members. It was... Um, Beautiful, 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 um, bright sunshine at the MCG, 72,000 people, game that went down to the Y. That was the first game I've ever been to that was decided 
after the siren. It was a great game of momentum swings and the crowd behavior, which has been a problem at the MCG this year involving big teams, especially Essendon. Um, I thought the crowd was pretty good. So it was great all round. Fantastic day, uh, except for the ending. Now, uh, for every single highlight, there is a low light. And for me, I'm not actually going to mention Essendon because I am kind of sick and tired of the media trash talking them for that. Right, David King, I'm looking at you. Uh, instead, it's going to be Richmond. Now, uh, that was, I, I, I keep saying this every single week, right? The Gold Coast game, the North Melbourne game, and now the Fremantle game. Richmond keeps finding new ways to be the dumbest football club in the competition, right? First off, it was starting the game against Gold Coast with some baffling decisions in the last minute. The game against North Melbourne, right? Baffling decisions in the last minute. And then the last two minutes of, if you want to know how to not play close footy, watch what Richmond did in the last two minutes. It was an unbelievably awful performance to end what was a dour, dour, dour Friday night game, except for how it finished. So for me, that's definitely uh, the biggest negative for me. The Tigers, they were just, they were just awful. And I feel for their, for, I feel for their supporters, or I would if it wasn't for, you know, three flags in four years. And for me, the other low light, I, I think it's got to be, it's got to be North Melbourne. Um, you know, to have such that, su- such a high last week, defeating defeating the Tigers. What an upset. You know, new coach involved. Sonia Hood got on Twitter and said, yeah, our list is looking pretty good. And then two days later, they asked for a priority pick. Maybe they do need a priority pick. Because that first quarter was shambolic to not kick a goal in the first quarter. Look, right, Adelaide, sure, they conceded the highest first quarter score of the year. At least they kicked two goals. The Kangaroos, they showed up once the game was done. And it was a really disappointing performance against a team that I think would get. I think was gettable. I definitely tipped North Melbourne, and I still can't believe I did that. Uh, Fraser, what about you? What are your top two lowlights? I'm jumping on with you with Richmond, mate. Um, very disappointing week for the Tigers. Um, I guess the I did see the re-sign, re-signing of Liam Baker this morning, which is some sort of positive for them in what's been pretty uh, pretty rough seven days or so. Then we've got something you didn't mention, Damien Hardwick losing his cool at a VFL game and abusing Williamstown players. That was probably not a great move after getting uh, getting a draw on the Friday night against Frio. So, yeah, pretty tough. Plus, you got Kane Lambert retiring. So, maybe it's not like such a low light in a sense. It's more just like a worse week for an AFL team. It's probably them. Um, in terms of another one, Melbourne blowing another lead. I went to I went to the Dogs mm-hmm. in the D's game on Saturday night. Um, I think I've been to... Uh, four games where Melbourne's been up by, I think they were up by at least five goals. Um, they continue to let teams back in. And then when, once that momentum is gone, and when they're playing against reasonable teams, like the Dogs are a reasonable team, um, they can't stop the floodgates. Obviously, they lost Jake Lever before the game, which really hurts their structure. But then um, Jamari Hagen, who played a really good game, but he gets a hold of him and he becomes a story when I'm not sure that the story should have been um, on him so much and rather could have probably focused more on how um, the D's just could not stop the dogs in the second half. Um, this is the second favourite to win the flag right now that we're talking about. Um, I've got um, big question marks over their form. Um, they need to make a statement tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to talking about that game with you, man. I don't know how they're second favourite considering mm-hmm. they've won, what, three out of their last eight? Um, maybe that's a testimony to how even the season is at the moment um, or maybe how much Vic bias a lot of the AFL fan base seems to have um, but yeah uh, I just an unbelievable unbelievable game of football they they kicked from memory like 70 72 points in the first half yeah. and they only had like five goals for the second half so to go from that dominant to not is um is quite something, but take nothing away from the dogs. They were amazing. Now, um, you have a player of the week, I believe. So let's go oh, yeah, yeah, let's run that. Um, I was watching the Sydney-Adelaide game. Mm. The Swans, like, blew the doors off early. Mm. But um, it was a really impressive effort, I thought, by Adelaide to kind of work their way back into it. And then at times, they got, they, they got the margin back to under 20 points, I think. Um, which was a which was a good effort against um, what may well prove to be a top four team by the end of the um, home and away season. 
one of their best players who kind of got them going was um, Sam Berry. Um, he had 27 possessions, 20 of which were contested. Um, he kicked two goals in a, in, a, in a quick succession that kind of got the, got the Crows up and about. He had two, um, two, goal, two direct goal assists, seven score involvements, seven clearances, 14 tackles. He, seemed, he does love to rack up a few tackles, that man. Um, it was kind of a um, – it reminded me a bit of a, um, a Jude Bolton-type stat line, if you know what I mean, similar kind of games and managed to hit the scoreboard as well. So I was really impressed by him and um, looks like the Crows have found one, especially when um, it is such a, um, a rarity when um, you've got players in the midfield who can rack up huge tackle numbers like they've got. And they've got two of them in Rory Laird and, and Sam Berry. So credit to the, credit to the Crows and their, um, and their defensive work. Mate, I like it. I like it picking a best player uh, in a losing team. That's quite bold of you, but I like it a lot. <laughs> For me, uh, perhaps not the best, but definitely the most surprising. There is a trend of first-year Collingwood players whenever they play Essendon, absolutely tearing us to shreds. It was Mason Cox in his first game on Anzac Day in 2016. Started the game with the first mark and goal. Uh, still remember <laughs> shaking my head at that. And then, of course, Jack Ginevan earlier this year with the four-goal game. And for me, it was another pie in that first quarter when they got that massive run on. They kicked six goals and about half of them went to a player playing just his second game in his career. And that player's name is Ash Johnson. A phenomenal effort for a player who basically I had never heard of and I think most footy supporters outside of Collingwood fans have never heard of really established himself as a dangerous threat and a forward line filled with young dangerous threats. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a great effort. Kicked three goals, 75% disposal accuracy, uh, took four marks. It's just a, it was a, it was a phenomenal effort from him um, on a day that ultimately ended in less than a goal. So really you can argue that he was the match winner. You know, Jamie Elliott was the match winner, but a three-goal effort in your second game is pretty good, especially in a four-point win. So, uh, yeah, that's enough about praising Collingwood. Let's get on to the major talking points across the weekend. Now, we talked about Richmond, and I want to ask you this, Fraser, right? You have the shambolic effort, right, on against the Gold Coast, 40-point loss. You lose to a team that had lost 14 in a row and just about then previously sacked their coach. And then you lose, sorry, you draw, but it was basically a loss. You know, some draws are like a win and some draws are like a loss. This was definitely like a loss against an interstate team at a stadium. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so, it's mind boggling what has happened to the Tigers to go from a top four, potentially top two threat now to barely holding on to a top eight spot, sitting outside the eight currently, and with the dogs looking pretty good, I would find it hard-pressed for the Tigers to get back in there. And then Damian Hardwick goes and blows his lid at a VFL game. I want to ask you, Fraser, what is going on at Richmond, and can it be rectified in time to save the season? Like, I'm thinking about it broadly. You think by, like, the last, the last like, month or so in the media what's been said you think they were like i don't know like 17th or like 15th or something on the ladder but they're still like still a reasonable chance to make finals if they obviously it's going to be touch and go but if they put their foot down and put their right foot forward um it's not out of the realms of possibility i saw i don't know if you saw the um that kind of expected scores statistic which is often a bit misleading at times but that had them that had richmond right at the top of the league and I think their best football this season is like it stacks up with some of the best um, going around. I wouldn't say it's better than what I've seen from Geelong and Melbourne at times, but it's, it is up there. It's, it's quality footy. Um, the list is still good. It's not like, it's not like, Oh, we've seen a couple of retirements, obviously Lambert and, um, and I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a Parker. couple. More. Yeah, of course. Parker's headed home. Um, so it's not like the list at the same time. It's not like the list is, um, is no good. And they're on the way down. We saw um, Liam Baker resigning, resigning this morning. Who's a, who's a great player um, and will be continue to be in the coming years. But um, I still think Richmond has a part to play in the rest of the season. It wouldn't at all shock me if they come out and um, roll the dog and um, roll the lines on Sunday, I should say. Um, 
I know what you mean in terms of what's going on. It has been a pretty rubbish um, last month. Obviously, they should have won on Friday night. And if I was um, a Richmond supporter, I'd still be trying to figure out how they didn't win that. But um, in terms of um, what's going on, um, it's a good question, especially when um, you consider how much success they've had in recent times. You'd think that success would almost get them a couple more wins with so much experience in that team. But obviously that hasn't been the case. And it's been um, at times a premiership player in Noah Bolter who, um, who couldn't get the job done late in that game. I don't know what he was thinking. Just couldn't get the, uh, the old, uh, the legs ticking over and get onto the set shot. Just too, too slow. And obviously Cumberland playing on, but um, that's always a tough one when you've got, when you're not sure how, how much time. And you got. feel, and you know, a young player, you feel devastated. Yeah, you can't, you can't blame him for, for, for the loss. There. No. no one, for, the, for the draw, I should say, um, in that case. But um, I wouldn't be, wouldn't shock me if um, Richmond made a bit of a run. I'm pretty sure the last time I was on, I was talking about Richmond and um, still kind of bullish on them, even though they're probably not going to make the finals. And a dreaded, a dreaded ninth place finish could be in the offing. So let's wait and see. I'm not ready to just say they're a total basket case again because they're clearly not and the talent is still there. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they respond on Sunday. So since, the, since beating the Blues in round 14, right, they've played five games. They In one of them, they beat the Eagles by about six goals. In the other four... They had a, They gave up a massive head start to Geelong, mm. came back, hit the front, led comfortably, and then choked that game away. Led by 40 points against Gold Coast, choked that game away, gave a massive head start to the worst team in the competition, possibly the worst team since Fitzroy in 1996, before eventually uh, coming back, hitting the front, choking that game, and then had a stranglehold on Fremantle, where one of the most dangerous teams in the competition looked like they were anemic. They, they looked impossible to score. They weren't going to score anything. And yet somehow they didn't win that game. So it's like they've forgotten how to win, right? Mm. It's, it's, but, it's, but it's something that I think is actually, and I'm saying this as someone who has never played football outside of Auskick, definitely never coached football outside of a couple of Saturdays at Auskick when a dad wasn't available to coach. Um, so I don't know. Basically, I'm saying I don't know what I'm talking about. But surely it's not that difficult to rediscover. And you still got such a great core group of players. Yeah, right? And they play in a Brisbane team who hasn't won at the MCG since 2014. I don't think they've beaten the Tigers at the MCG since like the 90s, I'm pretty sure. So it's been a really long time. So they've got that mental edge over the Lions at this ground. They've got Port Adelaide, who against other finals contenders have consistently fallen short. So they've got, even though it's in Adelaide, they're a good chance to win that. And then they finish off against two teams in the bottom six that will pose a threat, but Hawthorne and Essendon, they could easily win their last four games, but it's gotten to the point where you almost have to rely on other teams failing to win their remaining four matches. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it will happen fast enough for the Tigers, the best that they can hope for I think it's building up for season 2022. That's what I reckon. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do they, do they need to do yoga? Do they need to do deep breathing? Something? Maybe go to the you know, how the Saints do the deep breathing. Yeah, you might be onto yeah. something. Yeah. I think you, well, you, made, you did make a good point there, mate. Neither of us have really played at the highest level. That's probably putting it mildly. And uh, it's good to preface this um, whole conversation with uh, we probably don't have any idea what we're talking about. Look, we'll, we'll do we'll do what we'll do that for the whole podcast, right? Like we are the definition of the Monday morning quarterback standing at the water cooler at work, saying, "Hey, did you see the game yesterday? Oh, I could have done better, right?" <laughs> definition of that, but this is the whole point of the podcast, right? We're no experts, right? We're we're footy fans. We have our say, have we and we have our dedicated listeners who listen to this. And you know, aside from that, nobody cares about what we have to say. And that's fair enough, right? That's fair enough. Um, but look, for me, I don't know. The best that Richmond can hope for is, is build up momentum for 2023. Um, I feel like Collingwood and Richmond this year are polar opposites, which is if you were to say to me at the start of the year that one of Richmond and Collingwood would constantly find ways to choke close games late 
while the other one would constantly find ways to win games that they shouldn't win and they would finish at pole opposite ends of the ladder, I would say, oh, yeah, you know, Paul Collingwood, boohoo, to be expected. I was not there. Like I say, Richmond, you're out choking the chokers. Um, <laughs> now, on to the next major talking point. Big news out of Fox Sports. Apparently, Rory Lobb at the Dockers is set to request a trade back east. Now, Fremantle's Justin Longmuir has come out and said that he expects Rory Lobb to see out his contract. I believe he is contracted at the Dockers for next year. Apparently, according to Fox Sports, it's the Bulldogs that are set to strike. I know that Melbourne's been talked about as the club. Um, they've just had a big re-signing with, uh, with uh, Brayshaw. Mm, but, so there was big talk about possibly swapping uh, Luke Jackson for Rory Lobb in a straight swap, but it looks like the dogs could be set to pounce. I want to ask your opinion, a few questions about this for you, Fraser. What should Fremantle expect in return? What should they demand? Should they actually put their foot down and say, no, you're going to see out this contract with us? And what from Rory Lobb's perspective, right? Is this a right move to leave a club that is in the premiership window for a club that, you know, is pretty hit or miss when it comes to making finals over the last few seasons. And one of the dogs, they've got a plethora of tools, right? They've got Norton, they've got Bruce, they've got English. Can Wob actually fit into this team? It's very, uh, it's a bit of a confusing one for mine. Um, Sorry for all those questions. I apologize. No, no, no. It's, um, no, no, I'm not mean, I'm not meaning you're confusing me. I mean, more oh, wait, situation at hand. But oh, you mean, it's a fair call. Um, the dogs are um, in a bit of an interesting position because obviously they've just welcomed um, Bruce back and Jamara Hagen played the best game of his career on the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how their forward line uh, looks by the end of this season. Um, I must admit, I do find it difficult to get too excited about um, Rory Lobb in any scenario. Didn't I'm pretty sure he wanted to go home from GWS, wasn't that his reason? Now yeah, I was about, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that that's the whole reason why I wanted to leave the East yeah. in the first place. Yeah, it shows it's all a bit of a bit of a smoke and mirrors job when it comes to um, um, player movement. It's probably more about the cash at the end of the day, which is probably a fair motive for most people, I reckon. But um, I suppose if the move is for him to more long-term replace Bruce as something of a, um, some, you know, like your contested marking focus forward who can pinch it in the rough. It kind of makes a bit of sense. Um, obviously, um, got Eugle Hagen coming on and perhaps um, there is confidence building down at the kennel that he will become the number one forward sooner um, rather than later. But um, Roy Lobb certainly isn't a number one forward, so they'd be hoping that um, he'd be there sooner rather than later, unless there's some sort of... Um, um, buzz about maybe they're going they're going for a two pronged attack with the English and Lob. That's very tall. You can't. It's going to be struggle. It'll be a struggle to fit Bruce Norton English um, and Lob all in the same team. Does one of them have to get squeezed out if you bring in a Lob? Plus you've um, obviously got Jamar Hagen. So it's a tough one. Um, what should they um, expect in return? I mean, I don't know. Like a second rounder, maybe a second and a third or something like that. Will that will that happen? No, it's kind of hard to see this deal getting done because um, there isn't a lot that I could see the dogs giving back, um, especially when it kind of made sense that in a Luke Jackson deal, um, Lob would go the other way. That kind of seemed almost to make too much sense, and obviously that's kind of seems like it may well be the case in in, um, in this regard. So yeah, it is a bit of a confusing one. Um, who knows though? It's hard to kind of. Um, figure out considering um, Lob already moved to the West so he could go home and now he wants to move again. So I can't imagine he is um, uh, that much of a focus on which team he gets to as long as they're um, paying him a bit of coin. As far as I'm concerned, that seems like the ulterior motive here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, for Rory, I'm not sure if it's much of a good decision. It seems like such a good... Um, situation for him at Frio. Um, he kind of makes sense in that team, um, especially with um, especially with like Darcy holding down the number one rock spot. He's not being thrown into the rock for a full game like a Jeremy Finlayson and a Charlie Dixon type of scenario at Port Adelaide. Um, 
obviously if Frio was to welcome in a Luke Jackson um, and if there's confidence there that that is going to be the case, which it probably seems like there is considering this, um, this the likelihood of this happening, um, it does make a bit more sense and um, it probably makes a bit more sense on the part of Rory and his management to look for a move. Um, moving over to the east, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll be a different thing and um, I don't really see um, Lob as much of a as a ceiling raiser, if you know what I mean, more of a floor raiser. He's good. He's a good depth player. Um, he occasionally um, bobs up and kicks you your three, maybe four goals, and can help you win a game, maybe um, maybe a game or two for the season. But um, I can't imagine he's going to um, be a difference maker to win you a flag if you're a team that's um, not in contention already. So um, it makes sense that um, he would be keen on going getting across to the dogs. I'm not sure about that the cap situation at the kennel. I can't imagine they'd have a heap left. They've got such a, such a deep list, but obviously there is a bit of youth coming through there as well. So that is a really interesting one to watch. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how a trade would get done there. If it wasn't to involve um, Lob going to Melbourne instead to the dogs. So definitely one to keep an eye on, mate. I don't know. Look, look, I, I, I agree with, I agree with what you said. I don't know if the dogs actually need Rory Lob there because yeah. I mean, you've got, Jamar has just played the best game of his career. As, as the 17, um, 17 games in, you'd only think that it would get better from here, more consistent. And you've got English, Norton, and Bruce as well. So that's already a very, very, very tall forward line. And a couple of those players can pinch it in the ruck as well. So I don't really know where Lob would go. I mean, unless you, unless you want to play him as a key back as well as a ruck. I, I mean, I can't imagine that he would want to do that. I mean, his, his position is as a forward ruck. Um, so I don't really know if he if he would even really want to play at the dogs, to be honest with you. And we should stress, dear listener, this is what Fox Sports is reporting, all right? So if this is if this ends up being incorrect, you can go and blame them. Um, but no, for, for me, it, it makes zero sense from all perspectives, right? You've got a potential straight swap for uh, Rory Lobb and Luke Jackson, which I think will ultimately come down to what Luke Jackson wants to do. Um, I can't see, I can't see the dogs needing at all. What they need is another midfielder who can stop opposition midfielders from basically waltzing away. You need um, what Lloydy calls that sweeper that basically plays across the, the centre-half um, center back that stops midfielders like what Melbourne did in the grand final and on Saturday night from constantly doing, walking over the dogs like they were a revolving door. Um, so for me, I don't know, it makes no sense. If this trade was to hypothetically happen, yeah, I agree, maybe a second and a third, maybe a second and a fourth even. Um, yeah. Lob, for me, he can be really good but he's really inconsistent you know he's more consistent than say a mason cox but even that might not be true because coxie's having a pretty good year you know from from what i've seen um so you know i don't know i don't know i don't think the dogs should be targeting someone like rory lob i think it would be a bad career move from him and i think it would not make sense at Fremantle because even though lob's not a super important player for them um he seems to work in their system speaking of he is back against Melbourne on Friday night. Um, team's just been released, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, no, for me, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, on to the next talking point. The round 23 fixture is out. It starts with a Brisbane-Melbourne blockbuster on Friday before a massive Sunday highlighted by the 3.20pm time slot going to Carlton and Collingwood before finishing it off with St Kilda and Sydney to finish the home and away season. But I want to ask you, Fraser, right, so obviously from the AFL's perspective, they want the season hanging in the balance right until the final end. Footy fans hate going to Sunday games, especially if it's the later Sunday matches, right? And a lot of them on social media are saying, why don't you put the Carlton Collingwood game as either the Friday night game or the Saturday game, right? Have it as a Saturday game, swap it for the Richmond Essendon game, have the Richmond Essendon game on the Sunday time slot because, you know, both those teams probably won't be making finals football. But the AFL wants it so the season's hanging in the balance so they can have that 2017 magic, right? 
where the Eagles pit the Demons by like 0.5% to get into eight in that final race. Sorry, Melbourne supporters, to bring that up, by the way. But I want to ask you, Fraser, right? Should the AFL prioritize what the fans want or should they prioritize a potential glorious end to what has been a, a, a bat beep insane season? It's a it's an interesting one with the two kind of answers you've given there. I mean, we're, at the end of the day, we're talking about the AFL, which is an entertainment focused organization. They're in it for, they're in it for the cash more than anything. That's at the end of the day what um, what drives the what drives the business money and bums on seats. Not so much in this case because they can get um, they get eyeballs on screens, um, especially when the viewing experience is where it is today. It's come a long way. Um, we can watch football in high definition these days and um, it's not on tape delay like it was when I was growing up. Um, the Sunday kind of mid-afternoon game um, gets a bit of a bad rap at times. Um, I think it's attracted big enough numbers. You spoke about the, obviously, the Collingwood-Essendon game um, before and that, that got like, I think, 70,000-ish. Um, um, 72 to be precise. Yeah, 72. Carlton Collingwood earlier this year on a Sunday, that got big numbers as well. Um, for us to say that um, the time slot um, is the issue um, is one thing, but when you've got um, the viewing experience these days, um, I think that has to be taken into account. The twilight fixture um, is a bit of a tough one, um, but the eyeballs on those games, if there's finals ramifications, on the line will be huge and I'm sure that'll offset attendance and that's what the AFL will care about. Whether the AFL should prioritize fans, I mean, I think that's a that's a no-brainer. Um, but ultimately that's not gonna happen in um in terms of um putting like putting the better games in better time slots. Um and I don't really if it was me um from my perspective, I'd ra- almost rather the Sunday games not be dead rubbers, if you know what I mean. Like there's still something on the line in those kind of games and the season comes down to the, down to the wire, especially when we've got the, the fine, the pre-finals by now, which is um, kind of um, robs us of a bit of um, the momentum that the season's built. Um, I definitely feel for fans of um, the saints and the swans who won't be able to uh, make it um, to the game due to the time, but I'm sure uh, Yep. Having slight internet problems, dear listener. We are in Australia. Um, both teams oh, we're in, back. Um, sake of my fellow supporters. We're back. Sorry, you're gone for like a split second. Okay. What, what did I finish on? Uh, mate, you finished on... Um, I'll be honest with you, I was busy thinking about the round 23 fixture, so I can't remember. <laughs> well, I was no just, disrespect at all. No, 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 not at all. I was just kind of saying that um, the Twilight fixture is kind of another question. It's, it is a bit difficult, and I kind of see where you're coming with in terms of should the AFL have um, maybe prioritised that fixture and put it in a spot where fans could have got to a game that may well have a huge bearing on um, the final placings of the, of the top eight. Um, hopefully in the case of the Swans they've got a chance to, to cement a spot in the top four um, I'll be there with bells on but I'm obviously um, feeling for my fellow Swan supporters and Saints supporters who won't be able to make it along due to the time um, but at the end of the day the AFL is a, is a business and they're not going to prioritise the fans when they can get probably more money by um, getting um, eyeballs on on screens, and I'm sure they will in the case of um, those two games in, um, on the Sunday afternoon, the final home and away round of the season. I like the fact that the final couple of games of the home and away season aren't dead rubbers like they were. Like yeah, I, remember, I agree. I remember 2015, they had only two games on the Sunday because they played like six of them on the Saturday. And the yep. two Sunday games, one was played between like, I don't know, like 12th and 11th. And the other one was played between like 13th and 16th, like something like that. It was completely two dead rubber games. You got 
tiny, tiny, tiny crowds. And I don't know what the TV viewership numbers were like for those two matches, but I can't imagine they would have been particularly high. I like the yeah. fact that, and it's the it's the thing that you know um, the 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 pre-finals buy has afforded everyone is the yeah. fact that as a mutual supporter, you get this really kind of climactic end to the season, which is fantastic to watch. You know, it's really exciting. It keeps you gripped, you know, and hopefully this year, it also kind of keeps it exciting because even if you're in, you are in the finals, you won't know who you're playing or if you're in the top four or the bottom half of the eight, you know, who knows? And you won't know that until the final, final game possibly. So that's very exciting. I like it, but I kind of get it as supporters, you know, you, you were told for years that Friday night and Saturday night were for the teams that have performed really, really well. And your teams made finals or will probably play finals football. And all of a sudden you're playing on Sunday twilight. I can understand you would be very, very uh, peeved, especially if you live in uh, country Victoria and you can't make it for the Sunday games because you've got work or you've got school on the uh, on the Monday. I can imagine it would be very frustrating. But from a neutral supporter, it's fantastic to see. Um, and it gives, it gives me something to really look forward to. And I think it helps carry the momentum through the bye. Like he mentioned that the bye kind of stuff with momentum. I think it helps with momentum. Um, having that big kind of final crescendo, uh, that final serenade of football on Sunday, um, carry it through to the finals. So no, I kind of like it. Should should the AFL prioritize fans? Maybe, but at the same time, footy footy fans will always show up. Right? You could put this. You could put honestly. Right? You could put Collingwood versus Carlton at nine a.m. on a Wednesday in Bangladesh. And you would still get at least like 50,000 Collingwood and Carlton supporters making their way to Dhaka to watch that game. Like, I probably, you could play this game at 2 a.m. in Blooming, uh, Wilmington, Virginia, and you would still have tens of thousands of people showing up to that game. That's how big that. That's how big the crowd is. So 3.20 p.m. on a Sunday, there were 80,000 who appeared earlier in the year for that game, and that was before Collingwood went on their massive winning streak with a potential top four slot on the on the line for both teams, I reckon you'll get eighty to ninety thousand on a Sunday. Imagine that. Mm. Now, um, speaking of that top four, the last talking point: Collingwood have found themselves inside the top four by half a game. Had Fremantle managed to pinch a massive upset win, the Pies would be fifth on the ladder. But they find themselves in fourth. The Lions in third, the Demons in second, all on 13 wins apiece, and the Cats sitting pretty with one win and a bunch of percentage ahead of them. But I want to ask you, Fraser, Cats, Dees, Lions, Magpies, is the top four locked in terms of who's going to be there come the end of the year? Did you hear my question at all? Dear listener, if you if you don't live in Australia, right, here's my piece of advice, right? If you don't live in Australia and you love good internet and you love fast internet, don't move here. Live anywhere else, right? Pick, pick, throw a dart at the map, whichever country it lands on, as long as it's not Australia, it will probably have somewhat decent internet connection compared to here. So Fraser. I don't know if you heard my question, but my question was, will the top four teams currently in the top four be the top four come the end of the year? I've got you, mate. Yeah. Um, uh, for mine, no. I can't imagine with um, with so much footy still to be played, that we'll still end up with the same four teams, especially when we've got um, Melbourne in there who have a really tough finish to the season. And as we've both kind of touched on, um, their form is is very iffy. Um, they have struggled to maintain leads at times and haven't been able to really put teams away for quite a while since they were, um, were absolutely roaring at the start of the season. So big question marks over them. I think you can pencil Geelong in to finish on top of the ladder. Um, it'd, be, it'd be a big shock to me if they weren't um, finishing first. Brisbane as well, they don't have an easy run either. Um, I could see them dropping out. Collingwood, they don't have an easy run, but... The way they're going, I'd be probably surprised if they don't finish in the top four now. Um, they're playing a really, really good brand of football as long as they don't fade out of games and you know, go missing in quarters like they did a bit at times against Essendon. Um, 
Frio and Sydney, obviously the question marks of um, teams come to mind that could jump in. Even Carlton, I think, could potentially jump in if everything falls their way. Um, but yeah, I find it difficult to imagine that those four teams in, in Geelong, Melbourne, Brisbane and Collingwood will finish in the four. Um, I definitely think we'll probably get one of Fremantle or Sydney who will jump back in. What about you, mate? What are you thinking? If you manage, and I mean you, Fraser, you, dear listener, whoever is listening to this, right? If you manage to tip the top four, right, right now, go on and have a tip at what the top four is going to be like come the end of the home and away season and you get it right, you are footies Nostradamus. I am getting your prediction for who's going to win the premiership next year because clearly you have a glass ball that you're looking into and you are seeing the foot, you're seeing the future, right? Anyone who wants to place a responsible bet, right? Don't gamble, right? Gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm. Go and go to that guy, right? Go to that person, right? And have a chat with them about whether or not who's going to win the premiership in 2023 and 2024, because clearly they're a genius. Um, looking, at, looking at the fixture, the game that I think is going to help decide who finishes inside the top four will be round 21. And I'm going to this game. I'm very excited for it. Melbourne versus Collingwood on Friday night football at the MCG should get really should get anywhere from 60 to 70,000. If the Melbourne supporters haven't all gone to the ski hills, don't worry, Melbourne supporters. You're still second on the ladder. No need to grab your cheese boards and head to the slopes just yet. Right. I know you're used to doing that at this time of year, but just stay for a bit. Right. So for me, I think that game will help decide who finishes inside the top uh, the top four because the last three rounds for both teams are brutal. Melbourne, from memory, played uh, last four weeks really for Melbourne, really, really tough. They've got Fremantle on Friday night, so tomorrow night. They've got round 21, they've got Collingwood. Round 22, they've got Carlton. And round 23, they've got Brisbane at the Gabba. They could easily lose all four of those. Collingwood, meanwhile, got an unpredictable and potentially dangerous Port Adelaide playing for their season. Yes, it's at the MCG, but you never know. They then had Melbourne in round 21. They've got the Swans in round 22, which is going to be absolutely monstrous in terms of a great game of football. And then they've got Carlton at the MCG. Carlton and Collingwood games are always unpredictable. So, yeah, that's going to decide it because I think whoever loses that game, I think that momentum will cripple them and they will miss the top four. That's my big call. Melbourne v Collingwood to decide who finishes inside the top four. Whoever loses that will miss. That's my big call. In terms of who will replace them, Fremantle or Sydney, maybe both of them. Maybe Collingwood out, Melbourne out, Fremantle in and Sydney in. You know what? Screw it. That's my call. That's my call for how the top four is going to look like at the moment come the end of the season. Collingwood out, Melbourne out, Fremantle and Sydney into the top four. That's my call. I mean, with you, mate, I agree. I reckon we're on there. All right, let's back it. Absolutely, absolutely. Once again, we do not condone gambling or any any unsavory <laughs> behaviours. Um, but, yeah, so, no, that's my big call come the end of the year. Uh, look, it, you would expect a change to happen. Brisbane could slip out. They don't have an easy run home. Uh, Geelong mathematically could still slip out. You never know, but they have a significantly easier run home, Geelong. You would expect them to finish inside the top two, definitely inside the top four. Now. On to what promises to be a mammoth round 20. And it starts off in Perth, Fremantle in their old retro, that awful 3D anchor jumper. Who thought that was a good idea back when 3D was cool, right? Is should be should be honestly sent to Siberia. And whoever, right, thought it was a good idea to bring that back. Why that one? There were so many other jumpers you could choose from. Seriously, I saw a thing on Twitter where like Fremantle's worn like 35 different jumpers throughout their history. Pick any of those other 34 that's not their stock standard home jumpers and you can wear that for your retro jumper. Hell, borrow the South Fremantle thing, right? It's a waffle jumper. They won't mind you borrowing it. Why not? That's besides the point. Fraser, Fremantle versus Melbourne. Who wins? Uh, Close game for mine. Um, Both teams... Obviously, coming off tough a tough result last round, Frio probably should have lost. Um, well, definitely should have lost. 
Um, Melbourne um, should have won. Um, so a bit of mixing of form lines. Obviously, both teams aren't going as well as they were um, a little while ago, and they've hit a bit of a form slump in a sense. Um, I still like Frio. Um, I still think they're a strong team and probably deserving of a double chance. But um, I constantly find, although Melbourne um, continues to let teams back in when they build a lead um, and blow leads, um, Melbourne has enough talent. And I can't stress how important um, Jake Lever is to that team enough. Him going out of that team on Saturday night may well have been the difference. I think if he plays... Um, Hugel Hagen probably doesn't have anywhere near as much of an impact and that could um, um, well have changed the outcome of that game. So I'm sticking with Melbourne, but um, they wouldn't want to lose this because um, if it goes the wrong way, um, they'll be staring down the barrel of a um, finish outside of the top four and especially when you've got one of the hardest run homes I can remember in recent memory. So I'm sticking with Melbourne. I'll give him one more week. I've got Melbourne by 12 points. What about you, man? I like the Jake Lever call. For me, look, it's going to be a dour game, right? Yeah. It's going to be about who can out-defense who, right? Or I think better question, which team's forward line is going to function better against a really strong defense? And for me, it's Fremantle. They've got Lob back in, and even though we've just trash-talked him, even though, right, we just talked him down, he is an essential component to that forward line when it's fit and firing and when he's he's going to be big, right? It depends on how he plays. If he can kick three or four goals, Fremantle by how much? If he's restricted to, like, a goal or less, Melbourne are definitely in with a chance. I'm tipping Fremantle by eight points. It could go either way. But, you know, Fremantle are wearing a jumper from the early, from the late 90s, back when they were a basket case. So, you know, don't they not saying they're calling it down. But, you know, again, out of all the jumpers you could have chosen, that's besides the point. So on to Saturday afternoon football. Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. Fraser, will the streak come to an end? It's the Magpies versus the Magpies. <laughs> that it is. Uh, no, not for mine. Um, although Port were really... I'm um, really impressive. Um, on the road is a is a different question. Um, Jordan DeGoey comes back in for the Pies. Um, Dersmer and McKenzie and Lockie Jones back in for Port. Out go Houston, Bonner, Cleary and Willem Drew. So a bit of a few changes at Port. Um, while Collingwood um, continues to win close, there's something about um, building... Um, momentum like they have that binds a group together and um, they must be so supremely confident right now um, down at Collingwood that they must feel like they're a good chance to cause some serious damage in September if not um, go all the way um, so I'm sticking with the Pies here I've got them by two points I think it'll be a really good game but um, yeah I'm going I'm to stick with the Pies what about you mate what are you thinking Okay, so my tipping competition with my dad, my now it's it's out it's, it's out to a seventeen tip lead. Jesus, right? Christ. It's reaching like it's reaching the point where I'm not quite giving up just yet. Um, last week I gave him the challenge of possibly trying to beat me by either exactly the same amount or more than Fred Fanning kicked in a single VFL game back in the 40s, which was 18 goals. And now the fact is almost there. I'm thinking that maybe it should be pushed back even more. So, yep. Dad, how about this for a challenge, right? 1948 drawn grand final, Essendon kicked seven goals, 27 behinds, 69 points to draw with Melbourne, 10-9, 69. Now, let's see if you can beat me by the amount of behinds that Essendon kicked on that date. So personal, personal family feud aside, surely, right, a streak has to come to an end, especially when you're winning by flimsy margins like Collingwood are. I'm taking nothing away against them, right? A win's a win and they're having a wonderful year compared to what they were supposed to have. But you cannot keep winning against teams, especially outside the top eight, by as little as they've been having and continue to do it for longer than, well, what Collingwood have already done. I think it comes to an end. 
Port Adelaide to cause a massive upset, mostly because I just, I just need to get, I just need to catch up to my dad. I just have to, right? I've got to keep, I can't do that by tipping the favourites. So I'm tipping Port by two goals. Not a mind of that. I think they could do it. Absolutely. Now, um, let's get on to the Sydney Derby. The Sydney Derby, the Swans and the Giants. The Giants, no doubt, will be wearing that black jumper. Um, their black, I call it the Power Rangers jumper because I can imagine it's something that a Power Ranger would wear. Yep. Um, I want to ask you, Fraser, will the Power Ranger once again be too strong for the Swans? Uh, we all know the demons um, I have against the Giants when the Swans play them. Um, I do. We all do. I'm sure you do. Um, obviously, the Swans knocked them off um, earlier this year, which was a bit of a surprise um, to, I'm assuming, everyone in the world, considering the recent form against the Giants in games that they Swans really probably should win. Um, in this case, I'm thinking the Swans should get over the line. But uh, I don't think it'll be easy, especially when you look at who the Giants are bringing back in. Perryman, Jesse Hogan, Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield, Tom Green, and the debutante in Leakle here also. So there's going to be a bit of um, a bit of a buzz around the Giants camp, I'm sure. And I have no doubt in my mind that they will get up for this game and make it a real game. Um, the Swans, they have a tendency to play down to their opposition. Um and sometimes um, they also play up in the case of probably um, Fremantle and Melbourne, probably games that um, they shouldn't have won, um, but managed to find a way. I'm thinking they'll probably find a way here, but I can't imagine it'll be by um, a reasonable margin. I'm thinking this will be close. So I'm backing a few close games on the, um, on the, Saturday, on the Saturday. So hopefully it's, a, hopefully it's a good Saturday of footy with, the night matches to come. I've got the Swans by three goals, but it should be a should be a good game, I think. This has danger game written that all over it. I am hoping, I am hoping more than anything, I am hoping that the Swans have learned their lesson. They I, they seem to so far, right? Touch wood, with the exception of the Essendon game, they've actually seemed to win against teams that they should win, albeit not by as much as they perhaps should. Right, they beat North Melbourne. There are other examples I can't think of, but they 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 winning games this year that last year they would have lost. Surely they win this game. Yeah. I mean, surely the Giants they're dead to right. You know, the only interest is whether or not they can nab Alistair Clarkson or whether or not they'll go with Mark McVeigh or another coach. Oh, look, who? wins i'm going with the swans by three points it'll be a nail biter hair will turn white nails will bleed from people chewing them too much and buttholes will be clenched yep i'm going with the swans by three points buddy to kick a goal after the siren because why the hell not (laughs) on to the uh saturday twilight game st kilda versus hawthorne uh fraser surely this is uh, mission accomplished already for the Saints. And maybe I should go first. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. Why not? St. Kilda, no. uh, look, right. The, the last two times that they've played them, they won by 69 points apiece, right? That's a pretty dominant win. Now, the Hawks have been a lot better recently than the last couple of times Saints have played them. They're not going to be easy beats. But even with Kaczynski and CJ coming back in for the Hawks, I just think the Saints have too much to play for, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah, I'm going with the Saints by five goals. Yeah, it's an interesting game. Hawks have um, proven themselves to be a reasonable football side this year. Um, I think they've probably I mean, exceeded most people's expectations. Um, St Kilda... Um, they were they were reasonable against um, West Coast. I thought they um, they almost could have handed that game away, and they they probably did well to um, win by as much as they did. Um, the Saints have won the last four versus Hawthorne by an average of thirty nine points, so they definitely over the, have the wood over the Hawks in recent times. Um, but I find it hard to div- um, to tip St Kilda. They've um, 
been a tough, tough viewing um, session so far this year. Um, and I, while um, they're bringing in Tan Hanabry, they lose Jack Billings and Jade Gresham. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to tip the Hawks here, mate. I'm going for the upset. I've got the Hawks by a goal, but yeah, obviously St. Kilda with more to play with and it wouldn't shock me at all if they won. But um, I could definitely see um, Hawthorne making a bit of a game of this and um, continuing the trend of um, good Saturday um, Arvo games, hopefully. I like it. I like it a lot. Now on to a game that I have to double check. Who did I tip in this one? Uh, oh, right. Okay. Went the upset. In Geelong, it's the cats and the dogs, and I think the dogs will be let out amongst the cats. Um, I'm tipping an upset here purely because I think, and Ross Lyon and Matthew Lloyd pointed it out on Footy Classified, that if you bring the pressure at the stoppages and you kind of control the midfield, you take away Geelong's main strength, which is that midfield, and they can be dominated, right? Like Geelong were in that third quarter. The dogs... They're on a they're on a run, right? The kennel, they've been let out. The dogs are on the run. The Dobermans are out. The, the, the Bulldogs are out, right? The Chihuahuas are coming after you. And I'm tipping the Chihuahuas to have some bite this round. I'm going with the upset. I need to get back in front somehow. I need to win. I cannot lose to my dad for the third year in a row. I'm going with the dogs. I don't mind it, mate. Somehow you're gonna try and claw back a 17 point deficit in one round of somehow football. I've got nothing else to lose. Nothing. <laughs> A good effort. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a good game. Um, I find it very difficult to tip against Geelong um, in the form they're in. While Port um, really did test them um, last Saturday, um, Port, Port played really well. So it's not like um, Geelong played poorly. It was just Port matched them for intensity for most of that game, really. And um, it took some um, really strong efforts by a few namely um, Tom Hawkins in the dying stages to get them over the line. Um, the Dogs lose Chalor and they've dropped Alex Keith. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one when you're facing off against Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins in probably the best forward line of the season um, um, by a country mile. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I was going to ask you if you saw um, – Apparently, the dogs are leading the way for Liam Jones. Um, apparently, he's making a bit of a, a run now that you don't have to be vaccinated to play in the AFL. So, keep an eye on that one. Obviously, now Rory Lobb and Liam Jones potentially on the horizon for dogs fans. Not sure how I'd be feeling about that. But, um, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to go by Geelong. But like you said, I think the dogs can make a game of it. Um, I've got the cats by two goals. I like it, mate. I like it a lot. Look, I, I did not see that Keith was out um, before saying that. But you know what? I'm sticking with it. I'm tipping the dogs uh, in, in a massive upset there. Um, Adelaide versus Carlton at the Adelaide Oval. This one, I'm not going to tip the upset. It's it's surely Carlton. Carlton this year, right, one of the major things they've improved on is last year they lost games that they needed to win, that they should have won, and lost them comfortably. Gold Coast and North Melbourne being a couple of uh, examples. This year, they've won those games comfortably. They have not lost an upset game since losing to Collingwood. And really, since then, it's not as much of an upset looking back on it as it was at the time. Uh, yeah, the Crows are struggling. They just want the season to end. I'm tipping Carlton to win, possibly by as much as eight goals. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough weekend for a blowout. But the more I kind of... If I had to pick one, I think it's probably this one... Um, Carlton's not traveling exceptionally well, but, um, they did what they had to against, against the Giants last weekend. And, um, if they want to make the, the four, which I think is, is a possibility. Um, this is a game they probably want to win comfortably and they probably should, to be honest. Um, especially, um, if Adelaide starts the way they did against Sydney and I feel like Sydney and Carlton are pretty similar in terms of, um, in terms of quality, um, the best um, Carlton's shown has probably been better than the best that Sydney's shown, if you, in my opinion. So um, I think Carlton should have a have a strong win here. I've got them by six goals. I like it, mate. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I would love for the Adelaide Crows to win because I hate Carlton, but I'm, I'm tipping the Blues to win. It should be fairly comfortable. Now the Gold Coast Suns, Matt Andrew making his debut. Uh, the Suns have christened it on social media as the Mac attack. Uh, it's about to hit Metricon Stadium. 
the Suns versus Eagles. It's a battle of the coasters. Used to be an easy win for the West Coast Eagles, but they don't like playing in Southeast Queensland. Must be something in the water there, Fraser. They seem allergic to playing good football there. Uh, can the Suns, well, the Suns, surely. You know what? Yeah. You said the last game was going to be a, a, a comfortable blowout. I'm going with this game as my comfortable Thanks. blowout. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know what? I'm going all out. The Suns by 80 points. <laughs> the mighty Sun. The mighty oh. Suns. They will burn the Eagles alive. That's what's going to we'll roast them. You know, <laughs> the story of Icarus, instead of... <laughs> Instead of strapping wings and with glue, there's going to be an eagle flying too close to the sun and it's going to fall down and it's going to hit the ground and it's going to die. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, we were due for some sort of biblical reference. So, Absolutely. Is it a biblical reference? Uh, I'm not sure, but close enough. From, as yeah, far you as know I'm, what? Ancient, ancient history. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Some, something like that. Um, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right in terms of the most likely... Um, um, blowout for the for the weekend, but um, it's hard to it's hard to um, really dive into the Suns for mine, especially um, after that they looked like the potential of finals was a real possibility, and obviously um, they were really good against Brisbane for most of that game, and the Lions just found a way. Um, credit to them if they're able to really put the foot down here with um, um, against an albeit poor West Coast team. But if they're able to still like push out this season in a strong um, in a strong fashion, that'd be a real positive heading into the off season for a team that's um, clearly headed in the in the right direction. And um, um, best of luck to Mac Andrew. Hopefully, he, um, he has a great game on the weekend. Now, uh, as for the next game, oh, it's tricky. It's the Rumble in the Jungle, the Jungle versus the Savannah. Who will be king of the big cats, the tigers and the lions? Um, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going with Brisbane. I'm going with Brisbane because a streak has to come to an end sooner or later. And I kind of agree with what Matthew Lloyd said on Footy Classified when he said if they can't win this, they're not winning the premiership. And I kind of agree with him. You look at what West Coast did as an interstate team in 2018. They won every single game they played at the MCG that year. Now, you don't necessarily have to do that, but it helps, especially if you play a big MCG tenant at the MCG in September. How many times can I say MCG in the one sentence? <laughs> I'm tipping Brisbane because they're not a basket case like Richmond are at the moment in last quarters, even with Tom Lynch back. We've seen the fact that the Lynch and Rewalt combination isn't working so much anymore as Rewalt and Lynch continue to get older. It's not as threatening as it once was. Coleman back in for the Lions. That's a big in cockatoo as well, adding that speed. I think Brisbane's going to be too too fast for them, too quick. I'm going to Lions by four goals. I agree, mate. Um, obviously, I did say earlier that I still think Richmond could win a game like this and still have a crack at um, making the eight, but um, the Lions, they've had a disappointing, I think, in most people's minds, finish to the season. And um, they probably need to win this game to kind of kickstart um, their march towards finals. And they really should. I mean, Richmond's a, Richmond's a solid team um, and probably a team that should be in the eight. Um, I think that's probably a fair statement. But the Lions are a team that should be in the top four. And um, this is their chance to make that, um, that become a reality. Um, and they probably should do it quite comfortably, in my opinion. Um, I've got them by three goals, the Lions. And on to Essendon versus North Melbourne, Sunday twilight. Now, my love for Essendon is, is, is like my, my hatred for any English sporting team, which, by the way, go Deutschland in the Euros. Um, <laughs> but I'm taking Essendon, surely, like, surely, surely we win this. Like, surely we win this. If we lose this, Windy Hill might fall into a black hole and cease to exist. Like the actual ground, our spiritual home, may swallow itself up and just cease to exist. Yeah. Surely we win. Surely you're tipping us. I, I definitely am. It's so on brand for Essendon to look, be looking at a potential top top three, four pick and win 
win an unnecessary amount of games at the end of the season to um, ruin your draft pick once again. So And to give us false hope for next year so we keep buying yeah, you know, hopefully on the right on the right track, yeah. Um, especially with North losing four players to um, three players to um, health and safety protocols. Not to mention they have um, caretaking. You know, they've got a host of ins. Um, it's hard to make a make a genuine case for them and I think Eston here i've got them by five goals hopefully they can um finish finish this game um with a big win for you mate well fingers like i I appreciate that man thank you very much um now we both mentioned what we think our biggest uh margin will be the biggest blowout which game are we most looking forward to fraser you how about you uh for mine definitely frio and melbourne um a bit of a statement game for um both teams really um both need a win desperately to kind of kickstart their run home, similar to Brisbane. And um, both teams probably should be, um, they're definitely top four teams the seasons they've had, um, but they've let a few games slip that they probably shouldn't have. Um, in the case of Fremantle, um, a draw against Richmond, um, a game that they deserve to probably lose the way that game went at the end of the, um, at the, end of the fourth quarter, but still managed to... Um, come away with two points somehow. Um, and Melbourne, obviously, against the Dogs, um, probably let themselves down in that second half in a game they probably should have been able to run out um, the way they, they started that match. So um, definitely definitely Frio and Melbourne on Friday night and what should be a really good game. So I'm really looking forward to that and um, hopefully it'll give us a bit of an indication about which team is more serious um, for f- in terms of their flag credentials. What about you, Matt? What are you looking forward to? You know what? Just to be different, I'm going to go with the age-old rivalry, a rivalry so big they've made Hollywood movies about it. It's the <laughs> Cat Whisperer versus the Dog Whisperer, uh, whatever the Cat Whisperer's name is, versus Caesar. My Lord. I am going with the Cats and the Dogs. Um, yeah. If the Cats win... I say they finish minor premiers because the rest of the season should be fairly easy for them. If the dogs win, all of a sudden the cats, if they're not careful, could slip out of the top two. And that would be a monster, monster, monster surprise. Um, yeah, the dogs are coming and they're coming at the excuse me, right time of the year. If this cards fall their way, they could be, or maybe not, but so they could be looking at a home elimination final. They could definitely which is crazy to think about. But as they showed in 2016, they're not adverse to coming from seventh. Anyways. But they're not. Fraser, thank you for joining me for this episode. Uh, Good luck for when do the Swans play again? Saturday. Good luck for Saturday. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully it breaks our way and we can can finish the season in the right way and hopefully um, get a double chance. We'll see how we go. Absolutely. Give me something to cheer about this year. In the same year that Essendon has fallen apart and Collingwood and Carlton look like they might finish inside the top four. Lord, give me strength. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we hope that, you know, you're well. Treat yourself and treat others well. Treat them with kindness. Um, and, yeah, join us next week. Until then, hasta la vista, baby. Bye.